Hello, hello, and welcome. This week, we are getting our hands dirty with a bit of clay. This episode, we are exploring Alicia Hartice, a Missoulian sculptor who has a unique insight towards creativity. I was able to have dinner with her and her family before this interview. I tried to make another food parallel to her work and her favorite food, but I didn't quite get there. I was hoping that the shapes of the pasta would remind her of sculpting clay, especially when she mentions things in her artist statement, like, my art is a subjective dance between the fissures of expectation and experience. Turns out she just loves making spaghetti with her family, and you know, that works with me. This episode was recorded in Missoula, Montana, and some time ago, and published now to me learning how to edit and publish a podcast, so some info might be a little old, but I hope you can still use all of the information to look up their work, and your interest is piqued. I hope you are having a grand day, and please enjoy this week's episode I've titled, Black-Eyed Seven-Foot Bunny. Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome to Peak My Interest, a podcast dedicated to creativity. My name is Scoob Decker, and I am an artist. This podcast was created to learn more about different styles of art, and more importantly, meet some incredible artists and explore their craft and how they create. I'm currently in Missoula, Montana, and I am with Alicia Hartice, and we just had spaghetti. <laughs> Why did we have spaghetti tonight? Uh, because we have a six-month-old and six-month-old really didn't have time to cook much. Didn't else. have time. We have a six-month-old and a five-year-old and a five-year-old yeah. spaghetti. Beautiful <laughs> spaghetti was everywhere. All right, well, let's get into it. Um, what is your name? My name is Alicia Hartice. And what is your craft? I, I think of myself as a sculptor. Mm-hmm. And what's your background? Well, it depends on how far back you want to go. But I've been doing art since I was in kindergarten. Um, I remember my very first art project, and um, I worked on it through recess and for about three days until I had this whole like paper collage scene done. So I've been very, um, very into art for a very long time. But graduating from high school, well, let me backtrack a little bit, I guess. All my artwork is focused on my background and my history growing up. So when I was a kid, I went through some pretty hard times with my family and I ended up in a foster care. And um, more specifically, I was abused by my stepdad. So in high school, I was in a group home and then I went into a, a few foster homes and then I lived in my own my senior year. So the idea of making a living as an artist wasn't really at reach at that point in my life. So just going to school, going to college was what I was trying to focus on. And so I tried environmental studies, I tried a little bit of writing, and then I met a guy that I was with for a very long time and we ended up traveling. So we were like trying to backpack across Europe. So we started in Hawaii because it was still part of the U.S. and it wasn't as scary. <laughs> and when we got there, like day three of being there, like I hadn't had a shower, I didn't have anywhere to sleep. Like we were like sleeping in bushes and sugarcane fields and trying to do the minimalist 
travel experience and I totally had a meltdown. I was like, I need a shower now. (laughs) (laughs) And so we actually found a place to live and started our own business painting houses pretty quickly, like within a week. Okay. When we were there and we lived there for a couple of years and, and I just missed the mountains. You know, Maui is two mountains Yeah. and you can only walk on one of them. So, um, Eventually, I really ended up missing Montana and specifically Missoula because people are just so nice. It's such an artsy town. And I just really missed it. So when I came back, I went back to school to become a surgical tech. And I got my degree, started working at a hospital here and in town. And several boyfriends later, I met my husband-to-be. Didn't know it, obviously. But... um, yeah, I was a surgical tech when I met him, and then I was telling him about my passion for art and everything, and he's like, you should really go to school for art. And I was like, what? Nobody. Like, that is not a good career choice to go down. <laughs> like, after being a surgical tech, but I was miserable as a surgical tech. Like, it was really cool to help people, but the whole politics in the hospital was not for me. It was mm-hmm. just like being in high school again. Didn't want to go back. Craving for some art. Yeah. <laughs> and so I started taking some classes while I was a surgical tech. And Josh and I, my husband now, were able to make it, make it so I could go to school full time. And then I went to school because I wanted to do installation art. So, like, I really wanted to do, like, huge monumental installation art to just really shock the hell out of people. And when I got there, I took a ceramics class, and the ceramics teachers here in Missoula are world-renowned ceramicists, and I didn't even know that at the time. And I ended up taking some ceramics classes, and I fell in love with clay. So clay is my main medium. Yeah, so I was going to ask, what drew you towards clay rather than a paintbrush or the stage? Yeah, I went to school for welding. I started to do sculpture and welding, and so... As and in the beginning, you have to take a class of everything, right? Like you have to do photography one, ceramics one, drawing one, like all for all art majors. Uh-huh. And um, I took ceramics one and my teacher was incredible. And my ability with clay was actually pretty good. I was surprised by it. And you can make clay look like anything, which is so much more cooler than metal. Like you can make clay look like metal. You can make clay look like flesh. You can make clay look like a sponge. You can. It's just really versatile. Now, I'm going to have to pause right now because when people think sculpture and clay, they have a, something in mind. And when it comes to Alicia Hartai's artwork, it's, it's a, it stands out. It's a little different than others. How would you describe your style? Oh, gosh. I don't even know how to do this style. I don't even know how to explain the style. <laughs> we are currently <laughs> in your studio right now in Missoula. And just yeah. looking around, I'm, I'm surrounded by orbs, cartoonish heads, animals, uh, humanoid type figures, beady eyes. Like, what is this? Um, you know, it's all, it's all my own personal narrative of talking about the way I experience the world in the history in my personal history, my past, my present, and my future. So it's kind of funny how my artwork has evolved in subject matter. So when I went to school, you know, they're always pressing you for like the big overarching theme, right? 
And so when I was in all the group homes and the foster care, the people there just changed my lives. And I'm, I'm a very small percentage of kids that get impacted that way and are as successful as I have been in. So like not being in jail and not being addicted to drugs and all of that stuff. Like that's like the road I was headed down. And, um, so I really wanted to help people. I was like, how can I help people? I'm not a therapist. I don't want to be a therapist. And thinking about my story, like as a person who was abused, it was really hard to get people to listen to me. I was also very angry and, and didn't communicate very well until after the group homes. So I was like, how can I help other women like me who've had pretty traumatic histories, not feel so alone and not keep, not keep the abuse that happened like such a dark secret because it's not our fault that it happened. So that was the, that was the narrative I started with in art school. I was like, I, Hey, I've got a big story that I can dive into that should have impact. Hopefully if I can execute the artwork in a way that makes people feel. And so I've been told that I do a pretty good job at that, but so I guess I just started from the beginning. I was like, where, where was I when those things were happening? I was a child. I was just, just a wee kid, like five to 13 years old where it was a span of, of horrible experience, I guess. And so I was like depicting children and I'm like, and how can I do it in a way that's not grotesque? You know, like I don't want to like badger people over the head. So I was like, well, let's just do really sad children in vulnerable positions, like standing with a blanket and then really working on that expression in the face. And, and then, you know, people can read the artist statement and they can connect to it and try to make a stage and a spotlight for what abuse is like for those kids. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You know, so it started there and then it had like animals come in and out of interacting with these sad children figures where those can either represent the abusers, those can represent the abandonment, those can represent the like the mischievous imaginary friend, you know, some something to play with and bring light into the sad kids life because kids are still going to play. Mm-hmm. So there's like a, there's a giraffe kid, like a kid in a giraffe onesie with a giraffe friend and they're having a dialogue together that's really personal to my own story but isn't necessarily smacking people in the face so that they can have their own interpretation of what that sadness is, what that story might be. So it, if that makes sense. Yeah, so your art is a, it's a pretty big reflection of you and your life story. Yeah. But also I love the fact that you always want to leave something up for interpretation as well because everybody's going to have yeah. their own viewpoint on it. I, I, I really like that. Um, just looking at your biography on your website, again, we're with Alicia Hartice. Um, you can find her work at alishahartice.com, um, E-L-I-S-H-A-H-A-R-T-E-I-S.com, and you can check out her uh, sculptures. It is pretty breathtaking, and exactly what she's talking about, you can see her life story in these sculptures. Um, But in your biography, you talk about how my art is a subjective dance between the fissures of expectation and experience. I love that. I, 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 like, I don't, my goal in in doing figurative work, you know, it can vary on whatever artist wants to do. It's it's not about hyper-realism for me. It's just about, um, 
like enlarged eyes and um, disproportionate proportions and like I did a series of work about is about adolescent women and they're very like skinny and stretched out super tall so I don't know if that answers that mm-hmm. at all I don't feel like that did yeah for those who can't <laughs> who can't see anything I, I I hate to compare artists to artists but it's very um, uh, Tim Burton esque or a little Guillermo del Toro esque some some elongated figures um, beady eyes. All right. Well, thank you for piquing my interest about your craft. Um, what do you love to do about it? Like, what's your favorite part of your craft about sculpting? Do you like the beginning processes of um, creating in your mind? Do you like actually just sitting down with the clay? Do you like showing it off? Mm. I like it all. I mean, I feel like like a sculpture takes me at least two weeks. It's generally a month and a half, I would say, for a, for a figure. Um, I just did an installation here about a year and a half ago, I think, that has 600 pieces suspended in a skylight. So for me, it's the long game, but during that whole time of the creation, like start from a sketch to building to seeing it finished, is just like one big adrenaline rush. Like, it's like, I have this dream, I have this thing I want. Like, the installation of 600 pieces is a vortex of orbs with little tiny rabbits causing chaos inside of this big tornado of color, which is just so fun to to imagine and then see it finished. Is It's just a long adrenaline rush. I love it. It's the whole process. <laughs> I know, I can't pick one. There's definitely a breakdown in the middle of that month and a half, six months, however long the project is going to take. There's definitely a middle, like, oh my gosh, this is so much. But I love the inundation. Like, I love it to think about as, like, much information as possible to just, like, shove in front of someone and see Mm. how they take it in. Mm. So it's a little aggressive, but... (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to go back to the, the, the beginning part of the process. How do you start your creation? What in your head says, oh, this is an idea that I want to turn into a sculpture. And how do you go from your head to clay or whatever material you'll decide to work with? Yeah. Um, I think it just depends on the project. So like it, like say undergrad, I would, (laughs) I would like be at the bar with my friends and I'd be like, wouldn't it be awesome to have a seven foot tall bunny out of clay? Like just this weird, black-eyed creepy bunny and they would be like yeah that's crazy you're not gonna do that though and then the next day everybody would be like oh you're definitely not doing that I'm like oh I'm definitely doing that (laughs) (laughs) so then it's like how am I gonna tie I want to make a seven foot tall bunny it's on my porch still you know like how am I gonna tie that into the message that I want to give in this moment you know so it, it, and then sometimes I build from like, okay, here's the concept. Like, so there's, I did a show called Running with Scissors where that one's about the more adolescent um, girl who's learning to just like cut loose from everything. Like, jump off the cliff, take chances, be vulnerable kind of thing. So that one I was like, I love the idea of running with scissors how can I tie that into my work and what kind of imagery am I going to use with that? And then lately I've been pulling a little bit away from the intensity 
of having a specific message and getting back into that more like installation art of overwhelming abundance of mm-hmm. colors. So it just depends. Like I, it's been interesting to see how my work has grown because it started as ch- depicting children and their like teddy bears basically to adolescent girls into just some fun play after that. So. Is there anything that you like to do to get your creative juices flowing? Anything you like to listen to music? Do you like to go for a run? Well, I know you've got the kids now and they take up a lot of your time <laughs> and I'm sure will inspire a lot of work in the future. Right. Um, but is there anything that you do personally that kind of is, is a catalyst to get the creative juices flowing? You know, I, I saw in your list of questions about like writer's block basically for mm-hmm. artists and I don't have that. I feel really lucky in that way. It's a, my mind has always operated that way. You know, as a kid, I think it was an escape. You know, my mom was an artist or is an artist as well. And that was always accessible. Colored pencils, paints, craft paper, even though we were like super poor. And, you know, she really did encourage a lot of that in the chaos. And I think I honestly, I just like dove into that. And that's why I could work on projects for three days at a time. You know, it was like my safe place where nobody can interfere with your imagination. It's yours. So, I mean, I have thoughts all the time, even with the two kids, like running around and constantly writing myself emails in my draft box. There's like hundreds of ideas that I can just go through again and be like, oh yeah, that one was really cool. That one was really cool. How can I start tying that into this one show that I have coming up? Like what was exciting about having a stack of a hundred bunnies, like in a, like a pyramid shape, just having chaos in that rigid form, you know? So it doesn't, it doesn't end ever, <laughs> which is good and bad because I mean, there's so much I can't make. Like there's notes all around here. There's sketchbooks everywhere. There's my phone is filled with them. And, um, it's just trying to figure out what that message is going to be and when I can implement a seven foot tall bunny, you know, like something that interests me and is exciting to build. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't ever want to get tied down to, like, my niche. Like, Alicia makes ice cream cones. And it's like, no. Which she has done. I've made hundreds of ice cream cones. <laughs> but, I mean, the seven-foot-tall bunny was filled with the ice cream cones, you know, so it was an installation in itself. How can your art adapt change during your creative process? While you're working on something does it ever speak to you in a different way and go, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that before, and then like totally turn the project or change or adapt? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, I, I've i been so lucky in the experiences that I've had. I've done a lot of artist residencies, and I've been with a lot of other artists while they're working. I mean, that's one thing about Clay that's so cool is that the community is so helpful you know, where certain photographers or painters are, like, keeping their, like, cool thing that they found a secret. Clay people don't do that. They're like, oh, my gosh, let me show you everything that I know. It's just for, like, just hang out. Let me just show you what I do. It's so cool. So when I build, you know, a lot of artists will focus on one building technique. And even in the clay world. And I don't do that. I I use everything. Like, if I make a bunny rabbit, I'm building solid. I'm coil building and I'm slab building. Sometimes I'm slip casting. It just is whatever's going to make 
the vision happen. So, like, I accidentally learned how to do this, like, mono printing slip cast technique, which is really complex, but I do it in a super sloppy, haphazard way, and it works for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I did it, but I think it's just listening to enough artists and piecing it together. Like, that's where that surgical technology sort of focus comes in, that really technical piece, where I can hear one person say a sentence two years ago, put it with someone a week ago, and be like, oh, that's that's how I can do something new that nobody's done before and play with it. Some mm-hmm. of that stuff nobody sees, but... <laughs> I just love, I love your phrase, you like to play. That's just, yeah. as an artist, we just, that's what we do, we play. Right. And we find out what works for us. Yeah, well, and then some things are going to work and for certain projects, and some things are going to work, like, techniques are going to work for other projects. Like, I can mentally wrap my head around making a solid five-foot dyno that I have in my yard that I cut apart, hollowed out, put back together, put in a kiln. But it was the way my brain could, like, figure out how to build it, you know, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then, like, the super tall skinny figures, they're coil-built in pinch pots, you know, (laughs) where it would be easier to make that solid than 500 pounds of clay. But it's just how it translates in my brain, Mm -hmm. which is pretty haphazard. Don't question the brain. (laughs) You've talked about school uh, several times, undergrad, grad. Um, Do you recommend an education in sculpture for anybody wanting to get started? Or do you think that's something that people can always go back to? Or what would you recommend for education? I have no idea. Okay. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. Was your education <laughs> crucial to your craft right now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you asked me during my undergrad, I, there would have been a totally different answer. I would have been like, just go to YouTube school. You don't need to pay this much. You don't need to be under this much stress. And you can learn it anywhere. You know, but I did have some amazing teachers, even though I don't build or implement anything that they do <laughs> into my sculpture work? Um, gosh, that's a really tough question. You know, I had I had an assistant who asked if she should go to school, and I said, no, don't do it. Just, like, do residencies. You're going to learn so much more from residencies, which is true, but in the end, I did go back to her and say, hey, I think you should do undergrad. Like, I think... I think the pressure and the the knowledge that you'll get there you'll use later. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, did, I haven't done a master's, but I've done quite a bit of residencies, which I would count as a master's. <laughs> Are there any misconceptions about your craft? About clay? <laughs> no. I mean, I think everybody's like, oh, you do clay. What kind of cups do you make? You know, I think there's that. And I'm like, I don't make cups. But I do. I do make cups. <laughs> there's like these baby doll head mugs that are super weird. And, but they're really fun and different from what I do on a day-to-day. But, um, yeah, everybody assumes I make plates and bowls and cups. <laughs> do you have any funny, interesting stories or events that have happened with your craft? I was talking this over with Josh just a few minutes ago. I was like, oh my gosh. What has been funny? Because my my content is so heavy. Like <laughs> it is, yes. <laughs> it's it's about all. Like I like to focus on the emotional 
the emotions that people think are negative, like anger and sadness and all the things that make us whole, right? But I did, I was driving home from Red Lodge from a three-month residency with a whole show of sculptures packed into my car. (laughs) And the only way I could fit this, like, three and a half foot tall boy, sad boy sculpture. My car was to put him in the passenger seat. So I'm like driving home on the freeway and like passing semis and they're like looking down in the car. I'm like, what is that? I mean, for safety, you have to put the safety belt on, The right? seatbelt yeah. is on yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Keeps it from shifting in the car. Um, dealing with such um, sensitive subjects, I'm sure you've gotten a lot of criticism with your work. Um, how do you handle criticism? And do you listen to it at all? Um, do you try and shake it off? Do you try and take it into your next project? <laughs> you know, I really haven't gotten that much criticism about my work, which is really interesting. I did have a professor tell me at the end of my undergrad that I should just stick to making animals. Which meant she didn't like my figures and I wanted to be a figurative artist. And so for me, what I did with that information was like, well, I'm gonna show you how good I am at figures. And so I went into the residency at Red Lodge and all I made was figures the whole time. So I took that as a challenge. Like, you don't think I can do it yet. That means I should go work harder. Yeah, I mean, no, it's just, it just, it's just adds, like, adds to the drive. No, yeah. I can, I completely understand. And it's like the going to the bars with your friends. Like, I want to make a seven foot tall bunny. Uh-huh. And they're like, you know, you're not. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, I am. Oh yeah, <laughs> just you wait. <laughs> so what's next for the world of sculpting? Are we seeing any changes in the art form or any new ways people are making things? I don't know. There's a lot of 3D printing happening uh, in ceramics now, which mm-hmm. is really crazy to see. Like they're actually printing ceramic, like clay sculptures. With wow. Yeah, with a 3D printer. So huh. There's, I mean, there's, it's constantly innovating. Like ceramics has really gotten momentum. I would say in the last 15 years, mm-hmm. it's like really taken off. And it's, it's inc- like, it's incredible the amount of artists that are doing clay and what they're doing, like hyperrealism, painting on clay, like, um, like, uh, stippling on clay, like, um, I don't even know how to say that, like drawing on clay, like you would if you were like an amazing drawing artist in a museum or something. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like on clay instead. For anyone listening, can you just name some <laughs> artists that they could go look up? Sergei Isopov. I think that's how you say his name. And he's like the most well-known for that really technical drawing on clay. But there's a lot of people who are really pushing that, mm-hmm. that boundary right now. So, I mean, I feel like clay is getting pulled in all different directions. Like, you can't even keep up with what's happening. I also know locally in the Missoula area, Julia Galloway is also mm-hmm. somebody you could look up. And she just does all sorts of different things. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was one of my teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what's next for you personally? Do we have any installations coming up? Do we have any... I have some applications out, yeah. Yeah? Okay, all right. Yeah. It's, it's uh, Gosh, art is such a 
interesting cycle. It was like, I did really well last year. Yeah, last year I did really well. And then this year has been kind of a slow year. But I've been taking time off since I had my second son. But I do have some applications out. My fingers are crossed. I'm a little low on acceptance lately. <laughs> so I'm in a lull of that. But it'll turn around. Do you have any um, installations out right now or anywhere that people can see your work right now? Yeah, the, the installation that has over 600 pieces in it is a permanent installation at the Radius Gallery in Missoula, Montana. And where is that? That's downtown. Downtown Missoula. Mm -hmm. Excellent. You can also find a lot of more of her work at alishahartice.com. And I cannot thank you enough for joining me and piquing my interest about your craft and eating spaghetti with your family. <laughs> and I'd like to thank all of you peekers out there. Please let me know if you have any special or unique artist or art forms that you think I should explore. Remember, creativity comes from the heart. Push yourselves. Be kind to each other. I'm Scoop Decker, and thank you for helping me pique my interest. Mm -hmm.